it's that time of year again where Adan gets one year older. And I gave him the choice of what movie he would like to review. And what he chose was 2011's The Raid Redemption. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 87%, critics 87% audience, which I'll be kind of surprised. You ready for this, bro? Born ready. I hope so. It's your birthday. Welcome back to the Tales of Two Bros. I am Angel. I'm Adon. Where we give you a review at least once a week. I don't know why there should be spoilers in 2011. But anyway, just in case, spoilers. Why did you pick this as your birthday movie, if you will, to review? Truth be told, lately I've been a little bit like uh, out of sorts, like otherwise. So, like, you know, when you're sick or you're out of, out of sorts, you, you want to watch something that you can kind of veg out or catch up on something. And then, coincidentally, I saw it, it was back on Netflix, and I've been in, like, a mood to watch, like, martial art films and, like, action films that I really don't think too much on. I was like, The Raid is just a really good film for that. Not that it's not good, it's just it's a good film that you could just sit there, veg out, have a couple, like, oh, no moment going on. And I was like, now let, let's just do that. That's what I went in for. Fair enough. Starring in this... It's his second debut, or not second debut, but second feature, uh, Eco. Hold it from Rotten Tomatoes, too. It's his second uh, film. Uh, the first one was Marintua, uh, Tao. Marintao. Right. Yeah. I saw that at a, a Asian film festival. That's what I first saw of him to see. I think it was their official, maybe not the official, but the one that put Pinchot's a lot. That's the martial arts style he uses. Mm -hmm. That was one like on a, a global scale if you will even though that movie Marental was low budget but him and the director of Marental they did this this movie was a major influence on the John Wick series they saw that and they loved how the raid was so they tried to emulate it one way or another in the films in actuality in John Wick 3 two of them are in there from the raid redemption and raid 2 yes 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 they are uh and uh, brothers. yeah, and one of the he played uh, Mad Dog, one of my favorite characters in the first movie because he was also a Marinthal. And when I first saw him, his hair was like clean cut and stuff like that. I was like, wow, he looks like a Filipino or Thai version Donnie Yen. Seriously, with his haircut, I, I could see he, that. Yeah, with his haircut and he was all clean shaven. Because like in here, Mad Dog, his like all like straggly. You, you know who he reminded me of? So so remember, like in the eighties and nineties, there was always that one Asian guy that was always like a henchman. Oh yeah, that, from Big Trouble in Little China, right? We talked yeah. about him before. He reminded me of him, but actually can fight. I mean, that guy can fight. But I was gonna say they're they're like both trained martial artists. Yeah, they're both trained martial artists, but I feel like this guy could outdo him, like when uh, you see him fight. So Mad Dog, his real name is Yayan Rohan. I hope I said it right. Um, we also have here Joe Talsam. We know him as Sub Zero in the theatric recent theatric movie of Mortal Kombat. True. And he's also in Warrior, that sh that show on Cinemax. We should uh, I should watch. Bruce Lee. 
Yeah, I heard good things about that. I think it's on HBO now. Well, it's on HBO Max. It is originally on Cinemax. So uh-huh. it's a combination, you can see it there. You also have here Ray Sahantapi. He was the main villain. Yeah. He's like their Robert De Niro. True. You know, or, or Al Pacino of that country. I thought he was great. His performance as the main villain, he was awesome. You did make a comparison to this and John Wick because this did influence John Wick, which mm-hmm. is true. I was also going to say it did influence even more so another movie, Dread. I was about to say that because they came out relatively the same time. This movie came out in 2011, right? Yeah. And then Dread was 2012. So, okay, now I'm mistaken. This came out first. And then Dread came out second. And yes, you're right. It's almost identical in the sense of the landscape of things. In the sense of where the good guys have to... Penetrate a fortress to get the villain, the mm-hmm. bad guy. And the script gets flipped on them. Right. They're like trapped in, and then they have to find a way to escape. And where the head honcho or the head villain is sending out the dogs here and there to. Like that. And watching this again, I couldn't help but think of Game of Death. Oh. Yeah, I can see because, that. Right, because there's like always a level. And when they move up to a certain level, there's a new challenge they have to face. Mm-hmm. Even though in Game of Death, Bruce Lee's character met a certain challenge on each floor, but it was just like one. It wasn't multiple characters or attackers happening to him. Now, I think this movie, beautifully done, is shot well. It gave suspense, even to today. Even though I saw this movie several times, you can see the effort they put into this, the, the cinematography. The tension, the music score, awesome. I think Linkin Park. They do have Linkin Park listed on the soundtrack score, like as being. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think more so on the um, the English track. Speaking about dubs like that, do you prefer English dub or original language? Okay, so normally I am all about for the subtitles. In this case, I would have been okay with it being dubbed, just because of the fact that there's so much happening. It's almost distracting having to deal with the. Uh, the subtitles see for me i prefer the original language i don't mind the subtitles yeah. to me because i've tried it, the english version or the dubbed version in english and it just lacks the the intensity behind the words true i should also you know put a caveat in there i was laying down looking at it from the side so <laughs> fair enough so they go back to the judge dread or dread Starring Carl Urban. Yes, it came out a year later, but I was thinking like maybe this shot at the same time because even though the Raid Redemption did come out sooner, it did have less special effects where Dread had more special effects to it. True. Especially with the people who had the drugs and they were high, all that stuff. That special, that takes a little CGI work, what have you, to get that done. So, but I don't know. I'm, but we can stay or we can still stay with the fact that this definitely came out done, this was done, and the people who did Dread stole the idea. Minus the martial arts is pretty much the same thing. Uh, Speak about martial arts. Major amount of fight scenes here. Yes. It is so hard to really pick out the best ones. Mm -hmm. I have one that's the weakest, I find. Ooh, that's a good point. What's, What's your weakest? Let's hear yours first. The warehouse scene. Or where they're, they're packing the drugs. I agree. Okay, good. Now, why do you feel that was the weakest scene? For one, uh, because they focused on some of the other characters. Like the old man, Like he, he definitely didn't bring nothing to the table. 
And then it just, uh, it seemed, even though it was like supposed to be three characters fighting their way through a crowd, it just seemed so distant, if that makes sense. Like, you know, like they're just so widespread out. It's a warehouse in literally an apartment building, but it feels like a factory warehouse. It just feels right. out of place. Well, for me, the old guy, he reminded me like the Hulk, just smash. Yeah. No technique, no, nothing like that, which is okay, fine. That's fine. Mm. But to me, it just felt like the fighters, the drug dealers, or what have you in that warehouse, it felt like they were just going through the motions. There was really no emotion behind their technique. They were like, let me just try to remember these moves. Let me just, because their faces were just blank. And they're not I like, see that, you know, yeah. maybe one or two had emotion, like they're trying to beat the cops and stuff like that. But for the most part, they're just like still face and throwing techniques. Again, okay, I have to punch. And right now I have to duck. Now I have to kick. Now I have to spin. It, it, it felt like that's what was happening. Now the, the cops, they had the emotion behind their technique, you know, treat it more like it was a life and death situation. But we, again, we didn't see that with the attackers. True. Now, in the other scenes, you do see that. You see that emotion. They want to kill the cops. They want to protect their home. Yeah. Especially with the guy with the machete. Uh, the machete gang. Yeah. That was one of my favorite scenes. That was my one of my favorite scenes in a sense, especially the second part, because there's like two parts or maybe three parts of that. Uh, well, yeah. You, um, there's the hallway yeah. part. Well, there's and, two of them. Yeah. The second one was more of my favorite than the first one. The first one's really good, too. Yeah, but the one that always gets me is when he they're fighting and the door breaks, and he's fighting one guy and he pulls him back <sighs> and slams his neck on the broken door at the bottom. And that was it's one thing just, about this movie; it has such like you almost feel the pain that they these characters go through at, because of how vicious some of these moves are. But that whole door scene, oh, yes, there's a moment where he just stops and he looks at the guy after he did it. I'm like. Is it a moment of like he realized what he just did, or is it like you're, you you got to wonder like what's going through your the guy's mind? I think it's more in a sense of like when you're in a fight situation and it's, it's to the death, you don't think, you just react. Yeah. Like take examples for the UFC fighters or MMA, you know, any MMA fight. A lot of times they don't know what they did, how they won the fight. They just know they won or they're towed because everything is just going. They're kind of like in a state of shock because they're True. just reacting from all the training. It, the, the movements take over. There, it's not really any thought. And so I think what happened there, when he's reacting to all that, he's like, holy crap, what did I just do? Uh, I will say this. I did also laugh shortly after that moment, because then it leads into the second scene with the machete guys. And the, uh, and they just like run over to one dude who landed on the door. Like One guy jumps over him, but then the second guy literally steps on him. You see like it stepped on, and I'm like, I just laughed. I'm like, I, I don't know that if that was, was intentional. Up, up. I thought that was the second one. So how many how many hallway scenes are there? There's a few different. I was just talking about the two hallway scenes with the machetes. There's actually right. several hallway scenes. Like there's the one where this was also another favorite scene of mine, uh, where he's bringing the uh, his co his coworker. I don't know what his uh, partner his partner, partner. Uh, who just got shot in the right, ear. Right. They're being attacked by the, the tenants. In their apartments, mm -hmm. and they're coming mm -hmm. out from the apartments, and all he has is a knife and a baton. No, that was a good scene. I mean, they're all tenants, actually. The machete gangs are tenants. They all yeah. live there. But yeah, that was a really good scene where that like his partner is injured, and he's kind of using him to protect his backside when he's facing the other guys. Where the, even though he's injured, he's not immobile. 
he can move. He can fight a little bit. He does fight a little bit, actually. He does like take down, I think, two guys. Oh, yeah. Injured one. Which is kind of funny, though, in one of the scenes towards the end where he's fighting one guy and he's just, as the guy's falling down, he's just slamming his head against the wall. Which they use that time. in uh, CW's The Arrow. Yes. Yeah. I saw that and they, they I was like, we know where you got that from. <laughs> but oh, there was a, a moment in that same fight scene where he hits a guy in the, in the thigh. Or was it the oh, knee? Oh, and rips. And then no, rips it. Rips it through the knife. And they show it. Yeah. And I was like, oh. Well, very brutal. violent. What's your second one? If we agree the hallway scenes are pretty much. For the most part, pretty good. Yeah. What's um, your second one? And I think I know it, but you can tell me what it is. The first time you see Mad Dog fight. Oh, really? I'll okay. explain why, though. Because, and I messaged one of my friends about this. And I said, uh, this is one of the best lines from a killer in a movie. I've seen it a long time. It's the moment where Mad Dog's putting uh, his gun on the table after, uh, and he has uh, was uh, the officer Jaka, I think his name. Jaka's just locked in a room with Mad Dog, and he puts the gun on the table and he says, "This I've never really liked using these. Takes away the rush. Squeeze the trigger. It's like ordering takeout." And then he turns around and he goes, "Now this." And he raises his hands. This is the pulse. This is what I do. And then he proceeds to kick his ass across the other room. I just thought that was a good moment for Mad Dog's character. I mean, honestly, if you're going to say another scene that's better is, if we're just saying pure fight, is the final fight scene between Mad Dog and our hero and his brother. For pure fighting, I would say that's a better scene. No, that was awesome. The sense that you see how violent they are. And you know, one, of course, the brother is, is not that good. He's good, but he's not that good as compared to Rama. Or Mad Dog. And, and matter of fact, if, I think if either of the brothers were by themselves, Mad Dog would have probably won, but Rama would have lasted longer. And I liked how they set it up where they you know, they purposely hit the light. Well, not purposely, but they, they hit the light and they used that shard yeah. of the fluorescent light as a glass to help finish him. Even though the fucker wouldn't go down. He's I, close. Yo, he I, I was thinking that same thing too. Like, they're literally, it wasn't even a shard. It was a tube, an open tube. Right. And you just see like huge squirts, huge squirts right. of blood. And I'm like, yo, you hit one artery. A person goes down in like under a minute. This guy's just going like he's like, I'm the universal blood bank. I just got it going for days. Half the floor is filled with blood and he's still hitting them with full strength. Now, to, I guess, debunk, or I mean, I'm, I don't know. I never stabbed anyone with a broken fluorescent light. That's like a <laughs> tube fully intact, so I don't know. But when Rama then pulls the broken shard, but it's still in the tube, it's, still, it's pretty much still solid in that area, and he's pulling it across and tearing. I was like, now, I don't know if that's true. If it's, the tube is lodged in, mm -hmm. right? It's broken skin. I don't think the tube can continue going across without breaking. Now, if it was a knife and it was lodged in deep, no, or like a, like a like a like a like a like a some more sturdy, I would say, or no, like a broken edge. If the if the fluorescent tube was actually stuck in, like where it's broken, not a solid round tube where the only the edges are sharp. Yeah, I mean, I've I broken that. a fluorescent light before. They're extremely brittle, um, right? So like I would I, I would think it would shatter in his hand. I mean, still be effective for doing the job, but yeah, right. So for me, that's like one thing. I was like, "Wait a minute, I don't, I don't know about that." Uh, but regardless, up to that point, 
that fight scene was brutal. It was amazing. And it goes down as one of like, the top fight scenes like in all martial arts. To this day, I still consider The Raid as one of the best martial art movies in the last like 20 years. Now, as a pure martial art film, maybe not. But in the sense where there's action and the predominant focus is martial arts, I agree with you. Yeah. Now, did you know that in Raid 2, the fight scene in the kitchen was meant to be in the Raid Redemption. Well, the, with the karambits and the knives? Yes. So they just uh, took that, they just scrapped the choreography and then they said... Right. They didn't know where to put it. They didn't know where it would fit in the story. I mean, that makes sense. That, like, It's not like they have a centralized kitchen or like... I don't think it needs to be a kitchen. It probably could have been used in the warehouse. Probably. But um, I think that they had the warehouse already done, so they didn't think it would probably be too much or too long. So let's save it. Because that fight scene was like almost on par with the Mad Dog scene. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I feel I think like that took away. Right. That's what they thought, too. Uh-huh. And so they said, if we make another one, we'll save it for that. And then they made another one, and they used it for that. Well, uh, I mean, speaking of like the like uh, stuff for the when they were making the movie, I and I could be wrong. I heard they got together before they actually started filming the movie. Them and all the other stuntmen for like six months straight just choreographed all the fight scenes that they were going to do and trained for six months straight just to focus on being ready for the film. That's why it's so good because you, you have them doing the choreography, preparing that, and the director doesn't have to worry about that. The director, writer, whatever, they just have to focus on capturing it as best they can and getting the, the most important shots, not just in the fights, but also help tell the story. So that was good. The same thing with Tony Jaw and Onbak. They train, I think, for a good year just on the fight scenes. That yeah, movie. I think it's something like and, that too. Right. They just train so and that's why it looks so good. And that's why it's as well as like one of the top martial art films there is mm-hmm. in modern time. Uh, the opposite spectrum of that, and we were talking about this the other day, Iron Fist. Iron Fist. And fun fact for those listening to us, we hate Iron Fist. Not for the story. Well, a little bit for the story. But for the martial art aspect of it. And the female martial all the other martial artists in the uh, show were good, except for the main actor, who is supposed to be the best. And no, no, one, no one was good in that show. No one, except for season two. No, other the Asian chick was good in season one, too. No, 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 she was not. No, no, it was not. It looked like they also just learned the, the movements just prior of rolling the cameras. It, no, season two, she bad, was bad. bad, though. The nemesis of season two of Iron Fist, a little Indian dude or Pakistan guy. Yeah. He came from the same temple as Danny Ray. Yeah. Danny Ron. Yeah. Danny Ron. He had legit moves. And that was the fun th- fact that I found out that the guy who played Danny Rand was like, oh, there was only like five, ten minutes to train before each shoot he never showed because they had training before they even started filming right and and they're like we couldn't find him he never showed up for the actual training i knew about that prior or during their filming of the series oh i didn't know about that i found that out recently i was like oh because uh like he would say it's the the stunt coordinator's fault and it's not no all right let's go back to here um <laughs> Actually, happier subjects. For those who've never seen this movie, you don't know why they're there. In a way, you do, but you don't know until the end. It the big reveal. You get a slight, the, like the small premise of why they're there, but there's there's a twist and a reveal. Right, and it's all to do with the older gentleman 
the one without the uniform, the one who just shows up yeah. and only wearing a bulletproof vest, but he has no gear like the other officers do. So at the end where he captures the big bad, revealed that this is all a setup. No one from the precinct or the, the police department knows what's going on. This is all on the hush. He, he recruited these officers just for his ego, for him to get back in good graces. He's technically dirty. Right. He's a dirty cop. He, he knows the big baddie. They know each other. Yeah. And so he says, well, to get back in good graces, for me to get my badge back, what have you, I had to take this guy down. You're like, holy crap. Because the thing is, his selfishness, his ego led to the death about, what, 20 officers? About 20 officers, not including the tenants of that building, granted they're all criminals. Oh, a not lot the kids. of bodies. Not the kids. You can't really oh, yeah. say the kids are criminals. He, Some he, of them maybe he, have been. It was a, you can't, you know, one kid died by, uh, in the movie, but it was like, he was, one, he was the one, one that, he was the one that killed the kid. Because he was about to rat him out? Because the kids saw the cops first, and they're like, police or... Right, he gets shot in the head. It was the neck, yeah. That's the neck. Um, which, by the way, hell of a shot. He shot Behind through the it? door that was closed. Well, I guess, you know, memory. You know, you can see, you know, visual. I mean, come on. I, I doubt that he went for the throat. I think he just shot where the body could have been. Probably, yeah. Lucky, mm-hmm. lucky ass shot. So yeah, when you when you find that out, because like this movie goes right into it, right, pretty much right away, where we see Rama waking up, training, and getting his day started, mm-hmm. and we see him with his partners in the van, and they're telling you, you know, they're going over the plan, and there you go, and you have the the drive of Rama to survive, yeah, because he has a wife. He has a newborn coming. Yep. He has to stay alive. His family is his purpose to come out of this alive. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a twist for me that the find out, I mean, maybe it's cliche, but one of the goons, one of the henchmen is his brother. That was a twist, yes. And it turned out that was also one of the reasons why he agreed for the job, because he knew his brother mm-hmm. was going to be there. But you don't know that. First. Besides the warehouse, I do have a problem. One thing, and you probably agree. Before Rama gets spotted by the Machete Gang, yeah, he's walking around to see if everything is okay. He just got his face slashed. Yeah, yeah. And there's bodies all around. Mm-hmm. You, I just saw you laugh. So, what do you think I'm about to say? Because he he hears someone yelling from across the uh, the hallway from another apartment. And he's like being all cautious, and then the guy just backs out, and then they and they like freeze in the hallway and look at each other. Right, but that's not the big thing. That problem for me. Oh, well, he's walking around. Mm-hmm. There's dead bodies on the floor, but there's also weapons on the floor. Oh yeah, no, yeah. It's it's, Axe, it's like a, it's like your cliche guns. horror movie one one. You're like, why you drop the weapon? Never drop the weapon. Or the thing is, why not pick it up? I know. You know, it's like, I mean, I understand it's like the drama of it all. The guy with who had all these weaponry is now is without. He, ha- he has to survive with his wits and his bare hands. But I'm like, no, you br- that. You bring up a very good point, And I'll say this for two reasons. One, we just witnessed him tear up like 20 some people in a hallway with a combat knife and a baton. That, those were clearly on the floor. Multiple yes. of them. He, he, and I'm like, that's a man. That's a dangerous man with a blade in his hand. And two, 
If he had just kept his combat knife from the get-go and didn't let it go, they wouldn't have to fish out a bullet from his partner with a butter knife. Yes. <laughs> exactly right. So that's what I'm saying. They have everything at his disposal. Like, for me, I'm sorry. I've If I was in his situation, movie or not, I would be picking up, putting in. And then he can use that later in other scenes if need be, right? He has this weapon. Like like a video game where yeah. you... If an object is down on the floor, you pick it up. You put it into your arsenal. Boom, boom, boom. If, and then if it's too much, one you have to let go of one weapon in order to have another weapon. Like Assassin's Creed, you can't have two long swords. You have to pick it the best one you want to use. Yeah. And also, when he's fighting someone and they go outside the building and they fall like a few stories down. Yeah, that, one, that was unrealistic for me. But what's also unrealistic, he has a body vest. And the thing is, he takes it off as if it's on fire. I, yeah, I didn't understand why that was happening. He was like, ah, 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 ah. and I was like, but you're not on fire, dude. And you need this because there's people trying to shoot you, kill you, stab you. I know he was slashed with the machete on his back. But that huh. saved him, right? And that's, did he have the bulletproof vest? He did. He did. He did at that time. Yeah. So, so, mm-hmm. so the, I mean, I understand. It's like, they're, again, they're trying to give the character, the hero, that much more stakes to get through. It's not going to be that much detrimental if he always has weapons on him. I understand that when he's more bare, he is, again, more vulnerable for damage and and the dangers yeah. you know, rise up that much more for him. But come on, you don't leave weaponry on the floor when he can use it for you, which can save you in the real world. Yeah. What also the movie did excel with was a lot of times keeping tension going. Oh my God, uh, yes. Even when you thought it was going to be like a mellow moment, like when they first get into that, that same apartment where the butter knife and they hide them in a wall and then the machete gang shows up. One of the best gangs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and they oh, show that guy, up. That, that guy was awesome. I'm sorry. The leader of the machete gang, Afridas Godfred. Godfred. Machete gang leader, number one, right? Mm-hmm. He was awesome. He had a great look. Oh yeah, he oh, yeah. he had a menacing look, and um, and but it was always funny to me. It's like he's like he's talking to the homeowner. And he's like, "You're not lying to me. Liars make me aggravated." And he's like, he's just talking to him like it's, the, it's a little corny line, but I I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed it. But when he started slashing through the wall, and at that at that moment, mom had just uh, like walked into the room and she sat down, and mm-hmm. when it grazed him on the face. It was funny because she screamed right at that moment. <laughs> and it was smart. I like what he did with the wiping the blood off. Yes. Again, this is rated on Rotten Tomatoes, 87% on both critics and audience. I find it higher. I agree. Especially with the action and with the story. Again, it's simple. Again, Star Wars. <laughs> yes, it's direct. They build up a little bit. It's a little backstory, if you will. And it says it's... Not action right away, but it builds up, and then it gets into the meat of it with the reveal at the end, like you have with Star Wars and with Empire, where you know Vader is Luke's father. Yeah. So you have that big reveal. That's why I like it. It's simple. It's one only one major location, one yeah. building. Just like how Star Wars is, it's like pretty much most of the action takes place on the Millennium Falcon for the most part. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It, it, it gets to the point. It's simple. It's intense. It, yeah, it, it, it drives the story. It you feel for the hero. You're rooting for the hero to survive. You're amazed by how he survives, and you have the cinematography of the tension with the lighting, with the shadows, 
especially when the when the one officer shoots his shotgun and the Ooh. flame shows up and then it reveals where the cops are, where the people on top are just waiting there. Yeah. And they see that and then they go just go ballistic, um, chopping down the cops there with the, the machine guns. I mean, stuff like that. Beautifully done. Or when they lock down the uh, the apartment building, like how they go from one station and just show how the lockdown happened. Actually really good in that area. Oh, and when you were talking about that, that just reminded me, we've talked about this before, uh, with choreography, this is why also the movie was so good. I think it was genius to have it in an apartment building for the narrow confinement because you don't end up having many scenes, if any, where you have the guy waiting to fight, you know? Right. <laughs> yes. The, the yes. time you do I- see that is the warehouse. Yes. The way like one, one person sparring. Yeah, um, and it's yeah. That's one of my. That's why again, I don't like that scene because you can see it there, and they they're moving, trying to look like they went to strike when it's easy or noticeable when to strike because the person's open. They don't know it's there, but there's there has the problem. Now I want to go back to Tama, the main villain, uh, played by Ray Sahatapi. I'm yeah. sorry if I said it wrong. In the natural language that they spoke of, I think uh, Indonesian? Um, the, yeah, the movie's Indonesian. When he's telling the tenants uh, that they're infiltrated by cops and they need to take it down, but in the native tongue, he says, like, like have fun, enjoy. It's like, salam, salam. I don't know why, but it, it is done so well. It's menacing. It's cool. Like, I shouldn't be happy that. He, that he's giving these orders, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's a cool mother freaker there. The way he just says it out. And then when he's yelling at the bad cop, he's pretty much telling him you're a piece of shit. He's and laughing he, at him like pretty much in his face, even though there's a gun that pointed at his head. He does not care. He's not scared. And also when he takes down what the five guys in the yeah, room, they first introduced uh, the, the first time that you get introduced to him. And he's like, he just without hesitation, uh, shoots four guys, and the last gun, uh, last guy, the gun misfires. It was like, empty. It was like the chambers were empty. Yeah, and instead of he just puts the gun on the guy's shoulder and like pats him, and then he, he says, goes, "Hold this for me." Yes, and then it goes back. And instead of getting the other bullets, he just grabs a hammer. I could be wrong because I mean I don't know these actors, especially from here. Uh, only uh, only Eco and yeah. Joe because they've done multiple films since then. That I think. Ray Hasabati, he's like a known actor, but like the good guy. Oh, he's usually a good guy. I think. I could be wrong. For anyone who's listening or watching, let us know if I'm correct on that. But I think he's normally a good guy. So him playing a bad guy and like this, holy crap. Oh, yeah. No, like he looked like he was enjoying being a bad guy. Like the moment where Rama's brother shows up and he goes... It's like you're you're a smart guy. It's like clearly you didn't come here empty-handed. <laughs> okay, no, because no, because I'm just remembering again John Wick four, Mister Nobody and Marquise, uh, <laughs> the yes. knife to the hand. Mm-hmm. So it was almost similar to that, where he's like trusting and stuff like that, and then stabs yeah. him in the hand. Granted, on here is to reveal that you're double crossing me. Yes. To the brother, where in John Wick chapter four, it was more like testing loyalty. 
Is there anything else here? This is your birthday movie choice to review for your birthday. Is there anything else you want to add to this? I, I think we I think we've pretty much covered the full King Caboodle in regards to the raid redemption. I would definitely say if we if we haven't emphasized this already, this is worth the buy, worth the watch. Well, definitely worth the watch. You can watch it now. It's currently streaming on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth the price of admission. I will own it, especially if you're into the behind the scenes, like I am. Yeah. They go in detail on behind the scenes, like how certain scenes were shot or the motivation for the movie and things of that nature. How the the director and Eco met Gareth Evans. And he did a great job. He directed, let's see, he did The Raid Redemption. He did Marantel. Yeah. He also did The Raid 2. He did Apostle. Wait, he did The Apostle? It's on Netflix. That's like a like a religious no, no. horror film. I only seen the trailer. It looks like horror. At least at the very least it's a suspense. Really. But you're right, it is on Netflix. You're right. Yeah. See that on Netflix as well. Because again, Raid, Redemption, the Raid 2 is there as well on Netflix. And just know that sometimes Netflix puts it on, then takes it away, puts it back on, takes it away. Yeah. So I say oh, buy the damn Blu-ray. It's worth it. I think that is it. I think we covered everything. I think so. Okay, guys, that is our movie review of the Raid Redemption. If you have a movie for us to review, please email us at Tales of Two Bros at gmail.com, or let us know in the comments below. Until the next time, we'll be the next time. I'm Angel. I'm Adon. Happy birthday, bro. Aw. Thank you. (laughs) Love you. Love you, too.